Welcome back to Power Sessions with Natasha. I'm so excited to introduce this new series of Africa's Queens. Our history as African people has been attempted to be erased and tampered with. We have people in our history who have fought for us and who are forces that we cannot forget or not know about. Let's decolonize our history and our minds, which is the biggest purpose that I started this podcast. So let's look into our first queen. That is Queen Nzinga. She was the queen of the Ndongo and Matamba kingdoms, which is today the country of Angola in the southern part of Africa. She lived during the 16th and 17th centuries. Queen Zinga is best remembered for her resistance against the Portuguese and setting her people free from slavery. Not many people are told about all these stories. Queen Zinga was born during the first half of the 1580s. She was given a name because when she was born, her umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck. And it was an indication that the person who had this characteristic would be proud and haughty and a wise woman who was present at Nzinga's birth told her mother that Queen Zinga would become a queen one day. And indeed she did. She became a strong, charismatic and shrewd leader who would not surrender to the European colonialists. Nzinga's father, Ngola Kilianji Kiasamba, was a ruler of the Ndongo people. In the same year that Nzinga was born, the king began to lead his people against the Portuguese colonialists. From birth, Nzinga lived in a world where war, movement, and so many other things were part of the reality of the Ndongo people. The Europeans are said to have been raiding the territory of the Ndongos for slaves because there was an ever, ever increasing demand for slave labor in places like Brazil. Angola, even before Nzinga was born, had the most amount of slaves sent into America. Most of them actually came from Nzinga's people, which were the Kimbundu people. And the most amount of people were actually transported between the years of 1590 and 1640. The Portuguese were also attempted to conquer areas and this area of the Ndongo people, which they believed contained silver mines, because, of course, everybody wants African wealth. History has it that Nzinga's father, the king, was dethroned by his son, whose name was Mbandi, who was Nzinga's brother. It is also said that Nzinga's child is said to have been murdered by the new king, and that maybe fearing for their lives, Nzinga and her husband fled to Matamba. Some sources say Mbandi's rule was very cruel, very chaotic, and that he was a very, very unpopular ruler. Here comes the year 1622, where Queen Nzinga makes a reappearance after fleeing from the Ndongo kingdom. She came to the capital of Luanda, the capital of Angola. She had come for negotiations to ask the Portuguese to remove a fort that they had built right next to the capital of the kingdom. Her brother at the time, being the king, had tried to have these negotiations with the Portuguese as he was the one in power, but he had failed. But her and her brother at this time were very, very estranged. It was during this year that the Portuguese invited 
Mbandi to a peace conference in the hopes of ending hostilities between the two people. The Portuguese were so forceful that they had actually forced Mbandi, the king, to flee from his court in 1670. So for five years, he was not in court. You know, he then asked Fonzinga to be sent as a representative of the king. So she came to these negotiations after he asked her for her help. However, it was not an easy task to get her to be go to these negotiations because he had to really offer her a lot. She told him what she wanted, what her demands were. She told him, I want this kind of audience. I want this kind of attendance. And she told him she wanted the best clothes. She was very well known for her love of dressing very well. She also told him, if you want me to attend these negotiations, you must and you will give me a royal title for me to attend these negotiations. She arrived in Luanda for these negotiations as a true representative of the royal family. When she attended this meeting, it is a very, very, very well-known story. The Portuguese governor had a chair for himself and he indicated to Nzinga that she should sit on the floor because that is what Africans who had been conquered were to do. Nzinga refused to sit on the floor. She called over one of her servants and Nzinga told the servant to get down on the ground and create a perch so she could sit on and she conducted the negotiations that way. Nzinga did this for a reason. She did this in a strategic way. She wanted to make sure the Portuguese knew they were not dealing with an African who'd been conquered. When she left the audience of the negotiations, she left the server kneeling. So the Portuguese governor's assistant asked her, are you not going to take your chair? She turned around and said, I have many more chairs where I come from. The Portuguese even asked for her to pay tribute to them when she came to these negotiations and it infuriated her. She told them, I'm here to negotiate as an independent representative of an independent country. I can offer you a gift if you want to exchange gifts that are of equals. But she told them, but you Portuguese do not act as equals for paying tribute to. She told them that a tribute can only be placed on a nation that has been conquered. And she told them, I am here to offer you friendship. You have not conquered us. The Portuguese attendees of this meeting were all made of male governors and they just couldn't understand Nzinga's power and worth to them because in their world, women didn't speak back, especially African women, especially African women. Nzinga in her kingdom was used to women making decisions when men were not present or when men hadn't fulfilled their role. But the Portuguese in their culture, where they came from, Women were not to be heard. Women were not to talk back. They were looking at Nzinga with European eyes. The negotiations she came for were a success. A peace treaty was achieved and the Portuguese restored Mbandi to his throne. The power that she displayed at these negotiations, the control, the regalness, what she showed the Portuguese who she was dealing with, she told them in a direct way, you are not dealing with Mbandi, you are dealing with Nzinga here. This then made sure that included in the peace treaty was the agreement to limit slave raiding activities. 
Nzinga went on to stay in Luanda for six months where she converted into Catholicism. She did this as a strategic way to learn all the things of her enemies because when she went back to Ndongo, she completely forsook those Catholicist ways. She turned her back straight to her own gods and asked for protection from the ancestors after having been converted for six months only to enable her to know her enemy very, very well. However, the Portuguese could never stick to any peace treaties. This period of peace did not last for long and the Portuguese renewed their aggression towards the Ndongo people several years later. In 1626, Nzinga became the queen of her people because her brother had died. Some say the king had committed suicide because of the forever increasing aggressive Portuguese presence in the region. However, the more popular claims are that Nzinga actually murdered her brother because of his weakness and then she became queen. So the Portuguese, the year that the king died, renewed their attacks against the Ndongo by hiring the Imbangala people. The Imbangala people, if you look them up, are very formidable people. They are very well-known warriors. So the Portuguese hired them to do their fighting for them. Unable to defeat the Portuguese military, Nzinga and her people fled westward and founded a new state at Matamba. From Matamba, Nzinga fought against the Portuguese in a war that lasted three decades, 30 years of this queen fighting for her people, fighting these wars. She was the warrior queen, she led the battles. She lived in camps sometimes. She lived in the wilderness sometimes. She would actually live in the Portuguese area sometimes. And there was a lot of wars that she conducted against the Portuguese. The queen was not only fighting wars. She was also offering sanctuary for runaway slaves. And any Portuguese trained African soldiers were welcome to her kingdom. She stirred up a lot of unrest though within Dongo. Because as well as that time that she was in Matamba, Ndongo was being controlled by the Portuguese via a puppet king. And that puppet king was her very own sister who was acting as Nzinga's spy. However, Nzinga was a very, very, very smart leader. She exploited the European rivalries to her advantage. This can be seen in the alliance that she formed with the Dutch. Who were the rivals of the Portuguese in that region? When the Dutch came and took over Luanda between 1641 and 1648, Nziga made sure she had her troops aligned with the Dutch. She made an alliance with the Dutch soldiers to cut off slavery routes and this enabled her this alliance lay enabled her to lobby for the kingdom to take in refugees from the slave trade. You know, everything she did was a strategy. The Portuguese were cast out of Luanda in 1641 by the combined forces of the Dutch and the Matamba. This is a person who entered, clearly entered European politics so that she could survive and maintain the control of her kingdom. In the following year, however, the Portuguese were back and they managed to reclaim Luanda. The Dutch were driven out of Angola and the Queen had to retreat back to Matamba. 
Nzinga, however, wasn't ready to give up and she continued her fight against the Portuguese. The most important fact to also remember is that all in all her efforts of fighting and fighting for her people, she transformed her kingdom into a commercial, commercial, huge power because this kingdom occupied a very strategic position between a part of the African coast and its interior. The amazing thing about Nzinga when you read about it in history is throughout all her battles, the people she was fighting, she wrote letters to these people. She was fluent in Kimbundu and fluent in Portuguese. The people she wrote letters to, the people she was fighting, they also wrote documents about her, documents upon documents about Nzinga and her character and the pride of the Kimbundu people. They, she comes up in more than 10,000 references historically, 10,000 references. She outlived 10 Portuguese governors that she was fighting. You can go to Lisbon today and find out everything about Nzinga because they wrote about her. She even wrote to the Vatican. There are copies of letters that she sent to the Vatican. There are also copies of letters that the Vatican sent to her. And these letters were from Pope Alexander VII. By the time of her death in 1663, she died at the age of 81. Matamba is said to have developed into a formidable commercial state that was able to deal with the Portuguese on a very equal footing. I urge you to go and learn about this queen and enjoy learning of her spirit that still lives on today. We come from kings and queens. Let us know our history. Let us empower ourselves. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Africa's Queens and I will see you on the next episode.